0: Direct from Cape Gunworks in Hyannis, you're listening to Rapid Fire Radio with your host, Toby Leary. I'm Toby
1: Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome, everybody, to Rapid Fire, your weekly show. All things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I apologize for not being here. Last week, I was in Colorado and visiting with my dad. Um, So, but here I am. Uh, And then this show is sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. So be sure to check out all of their great stuff. If you've never been over there and checked out any of the uh, offerings that the USCCA has to offer, if you've never been to one of their classes, I, I highly recommend you get signed up today. Also, uh, Vortex Optics continuing to put out premium quality optics with a lifetime warranty, so make sure you check them out as well. Um, but I'm really glad to be with you guys. Uh, I hate missing a week. Uh, it, was, it was tough to be away last week and uh with everything going on in the world and um i figured hey every once in a while i i have to miss a week and it's not often but um we do so we're up to 155 episodes of this show if you've missed any you want to go back and watch them in order binge watch them just get it out of the way and get it done uh <laughs> it, it is it's sure to cure insomnia on contact so if you're having trouble falling asleep at night you definitely want to go ahead and get the um get the rapid fire radio on autoplay and uh that'll be good you'll have a good time but um lots of uh stuff going on out there there's i haven't even really kept up with all of the gun news as as it goes there was you know, some setbacks at the at the Supreme Court, as we know, the I think it was the Illinois case. Uh, they chose not to grant cert. And um, so that was kind of a big letdown, in my opinion. Uh, kind of sad to see that uh, happen. I'm not sure if they punted for a reason or if they want to see the California case get there or what because they actually granted cert to the California case and then vacated the lower court's ruling and remanded it back to the ninth circuit for in light of the Bruin decision so part of it is has me wondering if oh and Merry Christmas by the way I apologize I should have opened the show with that if um you know this Monday is Christmas. So this is the last show before Christmas. So I just want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. It's a real important time of year. It's also a very hard time of year for some people. So, um, but hopefully you'll find, uh, somebody you can, um, you know, get with over the holidays and, and love and spend time with. And if you don't have any family, um, Then hopefully you'll have some good friends that can bring you comfort and good cheer. So um, I know uh, several people who the holidays are very very difficult, and so yeah, I I understand that, and I say that with the utmost respect. I'm not trying to say Merry Christmas to heap on your wounds if if that is in fact what you're dealing with. But anyway, uh, getting back to Um, what I was um, referring to. So the Illinois gun ban uh, that is set to take effect was rejected after emergency appeal. And, you know, I'm not sure if the emergency appeal part of it is the part that is just being rejected or if it is the whole ball of wax. In other words, they don't want to hear it and they want to wait until the one in the southern district of california gets there which is being slow walked by the ninth circuit which decided to hear the whole case on bonk which is crazy but um which has not really happened in the past so you never know what's going on there but um still i find it unfortunate that the the court didn't take it on an emergency basis this is like um, about to affect probably millions of people in Illinois. So, I, I again, I, I don't know why the court would punt on that. They've shown that they are friendly to uh, gun rights, if you will. Um, so, let's look at it. Um, the Ammo Land News has an article... Uh, yesterday by Chuck M- Michael, um, the Illinois legal alert, Barnett versus Raul denied on Bonk headed to SCOTUS. So this week, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals issued an order denying a rehearing in the case of Barnett versus Raul, which is actually a consulate, uh, con- uh, a consulate. Uh, it's a consital. Excuse me. It's a consideration (laughs) of four separate cases. So four cases condensed down to one. Challenging aspects of Illinois gun laws, including uh, Pika, as the order notes, every judge in the Ninth Circuit in the Seventh Circuit passed on granting a hearing on the case despite significant questions about the constitutionality of the regulations at issue. This leaves no choice but to take the case to the Supreme Court. 2ALC has actively supported these fights through amicus briefs, and we will con- continue to do so as the case moves forward. Illinois has been proposing wrong-headed firearm restriction for years, all of which promise to pr- protect the public safety expressed 2ALC President Chuck Michael. The crime rate in places like Chicago tells you all you need to know about how that is working. 2ALC is proud to stand with FFL Illinois and other appellates in these cases as they are critical in defending the right to keep and bear arms in other states as well. I'm going to have to look into that FFL Illinois uh, link there in this article because it sounds like it's a, consortium of FFLs, which is something I'd like to do in this state. In the wake of the Bruin decision and its requirement to establish historical analogs for modern firearms restrictions, amicus briefs take on a crucial importance in cases such as these. Historical and legal research supports the argument being made, but requires immense time and effort. And since parties to a case cannot coordinate, amicus briefs campaigns, 2ALC plays a key role in such cases. We must continue to fight back and hold the ground that we are gaining in each of these cases across the country. Please visit 2ALC's Illinois page and subscribe to updates and to donate to help this cause. Um, The Second Amendment Law Center is uh, the mission at the second amendment law centers to protect and enforce the second Amendment's solemn command that our government never unduly restrict law abiding individuals from responsibility uh, from responsibly possessing and carrying firearms and other arms for sport hunting self-defense or other lawful purposes. Uh, very good. Um, so if you go to, uh, the second amendment law center, um, uh, The landing page is a donation page, but um, you can go and donate there. I'll send a little, I'll pump a little link in the description. But so this is the case that we talked to Mark Smith about that might get to the Supreme Court before the one in the Southern District of uh, California, the Judge Benitez case that got remanded to the Ninth Circuit and then the Ninth Circuit vacated the earlier decision of Benitez and remanded it back to him. Uh, it's basically being passed around like a hot potato. But the sad thing is um, that case might take a while to get there because the Supreme court looked at it. Um, is, I'm sorry. The ninth circuit is looking at it in an en banc uh, fashion. They're, they're going to take the whole thing. They're not going to let it go to that three judge panel. Now, I know they did that about magazine restrictions. I'm not sure they're going to do the same thing about the assault weapons ban or if any decision has been made in that case yet, but something to keep our eye on. um, If the Illinois case is going to get there before us, uh, before this Southern District of California one, then obviously it's one worth donating to and funding. And uh, for those of us in banned states like Maryland, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, California, uh, Oregon, uh, Illinois, obviously. Um, and I think that's it. Maybe Hawaii is a banned state I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, those are the big ones for sure. Uh, so we want to see this thing have be well funded and get good traction as it goes to uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, nothing going to the Supreme Court is cheap or is quick. unfortunately, it takes time, right? Uh, and money. Uh, if I ever write a book, it's going to be send lawyers, guns, and money because you know, I wonder if there'll be copyright infringement on that if I do. But that's really the fight is money, time, lawyers and it's all around guns. that's what we do here. So it's it's gonna be make for an interesting, uh, discussion or an interesting book someday i want to write one and that's that'll be my first one because i got plenty of stories to tell about uh you know that involve lawyers guns and money (laughs) let's put it that way it's uh you know crazy crazy stuff including and not limited to anti-gun groups including gun people um we had uh some interesting things. When we decided to open a gun store, we thought we just thought, you know, this is our naivety of the situation. We just thought that the red carpet would be rolled out from the gun owning community. Eh, Wrong answer. Uh, That is not going to happen. I was shocked. I'm like, wait a minute. We're all in this together, aren't we? And uh, yeah, the bottom line is um, no. We we are not all in this together. I know, right? A friend of mine aptly coined the phrase gun owners against gun owners, which prompted my mind into thinking about doing a video about that and, you know, do a funny video of gun owners against gun owners. But um, you wouldn't think logically how it would help the movement, the 2A movement to have infighting and, you know, whatever, and actively opposing people who are in the 2A community. But guess what? I guess it takes all types sometimes. So I got all kinds of stories about that. I got all kinds of stories about um, interactions with law enforcement and whatnot, that, you know, just unbelievable stuff. Uh, You open a gun store and you're going to get some people's attention. That's the way it goes. So, um, you know, if you think like somebody said there's a book called Three Felonies a Day. I want to find it. I want to read it. I want to. It's on my list of books to read. But basically the premise of the book is everybody, everybody, unsuspecting, unassuming, responsible, law abiding people commit three felonies a day on average without even knowing it most of the time. And this is the problem with our current set of laws and uh, penal codes, if you will, or regulations, is you can violate law without knowing it, without there being a victim to any crime, and it have massive real-world implications on your life that could put you in jail for two and a half years and take away your right to keep and bear arms. Um, So that I think is a testament to how screwed up some things have got like founding fathers, small government uh, founding uh, ideology never would have ever envisioned. I I'm sure they could have envisioned it happening like, Someday, but that was never the intent of the founding fathers to say, like, oh, yeah, we want to make sure everyone's one step out of jail and trip them up. And so the same can be true. The same is true on a huge, huge way for gun owners. And largely, most gun violations that I'm talking about and referring to are 100% victimless crimes. They are regulatory violations. Um, They are running afoul of some rule or some bureaucracy's interpretation of a rule. And they all could end up putting us away for a long period of time if we are found responsible for a violation of these. Meanwhile, there's nobody who's been harmed. There's no victim anywhere. There's no criminal intent. there's no criminal activity, there's no robbery. there's no uh, no one has been defrauded in any way, shape or form. And that I think is a horrible testimony of where we are today as a society. We are so over regulated. Every area of our life is thought out for us, is planned accordingly. And we got into this horrible, horrible uh, situation where we make rules for the largest amount of people, hundreds of millions of people, for violent or criminal actions of a very few. So think about that. That's, that's really a weird precedent to set. You know, it's like the age-old saying... This is why we can't have nice things. When the you know kid is dribbling the basketball through the living room and he knocks over his mother's vase. This is why we can't have nice things. One person screws it up for everybody. But that's ridiculous, especially when it comes to rights. Think about that. Because some psycho is a knucklehead with a gun should never affect me. Lock that dude up, throw away the key, you know, deal with that. But Take away my rights? How's that fair? All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex optics today. All right, welcome back. I'm your host, Toby Leary. You're listening to Rapid Fire, episode number 155. And I appreciate you guys being here with me each and every week. And hopefully, you pick up a couple nuggets along the way, and we keep you entertained. That's really all it's—it's it's about entertained, informed, and uh, as I mentioned before, cure for insomnia. So, anyway, uh, like I was saying, uh, we 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 have this overregulated society that is so um, regulated to the point where uh, I joke a lot because of my construction company. Um, that you can't, in the state of Massachusetts, um, you can't cut out more than six square feet of drywall without pulling a permit. Imagine that. In your own house that you own, that you have sovereignty over, right? My man, a man's home is his castle, right? Or as I like to say, a man's home is his hassle. (laughs) There's always a project to be done, right? Uh, But at least it's your home. So it's your domicile. But in your own home, if I decide I want to move a wall, I want to cut out a wall here and change it and take it out and put it somewhere else or open up a room or close one down. If I take out more than six square feet of drywall, That's two foot by three foot. I have to pull a permit. I have to get permission from the government. They have to tell me how to do it, where to do it. And, you know, I have to make sure I'm, if I'm doing it as a homeowner, I have to sign exemptions to, uh, workman's comp and all this stuff, you know, it's just unbelievable. Think about that. And it's like, where did we go wrong as a society? Uh, telling some stories out of school that are going to be in my book someday. Uh, uh, we we did a raffle when we were trying to build this place uh, at Cape Gunworks. We raffled off a Barrett MRAD in like 6.5 Creedmoor or 300 Win Mag. I can't even remember the cali- caliber. But it was a pretty nice setup. Had a scope, had a bipod. And we sold, I think, 100 raffle tickets for 50 bucks or something like that. And, uh, oh, no, it was 200 raffle tickets for 50 bucks. I, I Something to that effect, right? Might have been even been 250. I'm just throwing numbers around because I can't remember. But we did it online, on Instagram, on Facebook, and everything else. And in-store, you could come by. I had a guy in Texas buy, like, five raffle tickets. So, um, you know, this was a way for us to raise some money for uh, the the building costs that, we're in the millions of dollars, by the way. And my Kickstarter campaign didn't go so hot. <laughs> Someday, I should, actually, maybe I'll do that today. I'll I'll play the video that was my Kickstarter campaign. And uh, I didn't get a single donation. So uh, it was funny. It was like I had so many people telling me, hey, this is a brilliant idea. Cape Gunworks is going to be a smashing success. We love it. We're going to join. We're going to support you. We're going to be there. And I'm like, great. So we did this Kickstarter campaign and everyone watched the video and was like, oh, good for you. That's awesome. I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Let me know when you open. And I'm like, well, guys, you got to help me get there. But anyway, um, so we opened the gun store and we have this Kickstarter campaign to, for the big building the build out everything else. And, um, we we did this raffle was one of the ways we raised some money and i think at the end of the day we you know after the cost of the scope the bipod the gun the case the extra mags everything you know we might have made a thousand bucks that we put into the kitty for the multi-million dollar project we're doing and um all of a sudden i got the deputy chief of police sitting in my office one day and he's looking at me like this did you do a raffle i said Yeah. And he goes, I'm like, what? He goes, that's illegal. I'm like, a raffle's illegal? He goes, yeah. He goes, and it's like 10 years in jail and like a $10,000 fine for first offense. I'm like, what? A raffle? He goes, yeah, you can't do that. And I said, he goes, it's illegal gaming activity. And I'm like, dude. Come on! When did we become a communist country? Are you serious right now? And all I could think of is like every hardware store, every sporting goods store, every uh, store out there that does like a raffle around Christmas time or raise some money here, or raise some money there. Um, and I'm going, are you? Key- so every single time I see that, like a football pool in a bar, every time I see a uh, you know Super Bowl pool. At the local pub, that's illegal gaming activity, and they're subject to ten thousand dollar fine and a ten year bid in jail. Yep, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. He goes, Chief wants to talk to you. Okay, great. So we go in, Brendan and I, and we sit down. The chief gets up. He's pacing back and forth, back and forth. He's pissed. He's dropping f bombs, and you know, yeah. Your license is based on suitability. And from what I see, you're not very suitable to run a gun shop. I said, because of a raffle and yep. And, uh, this is a legal gaming activity. It's organized crime. It's, it's, uh, you know, and I'm, we're looking at each other. Like, are you kidding me right now? This is unbelievable. And he was reading us the riot act. And yeah. So next, when your renewal comes up, I have to seriously consider whether you're suitable to sell guns in my town, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I'm like, this is nuts. I, I I said, chief, I am sorry. I had no idea I was running a of racketeering and organized crime and, you know, illegal gaming activity by trying to raise a thousand bucks to, uh, help me build out a multi-million-dollar project that's going to benefit the town, town provide jobs, uh, you know, uh, give people a safe place to shoot and everything else. He wasn't hearing any excuses, and finally, we kind of knew what we were getting into. So, I, uh, I ended up uh, sliding this folder across the desk, and he opened it up, and it had Facebook pictures of a lot of local businesses that were running raffles and and uh lotteries and stuff like that. And he turned like ash white and um slid it over to the deputy, got up and said, Don't do it again. And he walked out. And and I said, All right. <laughs> Guess that's so in other words, if you're gonna run a crusade against me and my raffle, illegal gaming raffle activity, you better have a new illegal gaming czar in the town that's gonna go shut down every little uh, you know, canoe raffle at the sporting goods shop or win a pair of binoculars or, you know, win a whatever for the bake sale and win this for the Boy Scouts and everything else. So it was it was pretty crazy. So um, yeah, that was just one of the many stories that will go in. There's some finer details to it that make it a little bit more colorful, but I figure uh, I'll just tease it out there. So Someday I'll have to uh, have to, but um, if you want to keep your guns, send money and lawyers. (laughs) Good point, Chris. Yeah, I appreciate that. So check this out. Uh, This is Federal Firearms Licensees of Illinois, uh, an association of firearms dealers in Illinois born out of the relentless attacks against FFL holders by anti-gun forces in their attempts to limit the number of gun stores in Illinois and impede the lawful business by licensees. I like it. In 2017, a group of dealers became involved in successfully putting Senate Bill 1657 into remission. This was the spark that inspired interest in FFL holders to form an FFL Illinois to speak on behalf of all dealers to our legislators in Springfield, Illinois. Wow, this is like music to my ears because, you know, uh, when I first became a FFL back in 2013, I asked one of the local gun dealers. I said, "Cool, so where's the uh, consortium? Where's the, you know, group of uh, constituents? Where's the, you know, the membership to the local FFLs in Massachusetts? The FFLs of Mass." And he looked at me and he laughed. He said, there's no such thing as as that in Massachusetts. I said, what? Why not? He goes, well, actually, it's funny you say this because somebody tried to do it. And they sent out a letter to all FFLs and said, how much would you be willing to pledge a month in dues to support um, this effort? And they heard back from three gun dealers out of 600 gun dealers they heard back from 3 that said they would be willing to pledge 10 bucks a month so that's 30 bucks a month into the kitty <laughs> to fight gun rights in Massachusetts and i uh, i was shocked honestly i was dumbfounded i said this is ridiculous uh why is this not done and they go oh everyone's competitive and everyone's afraid they're going to take each other's business take each other's customers take i said how petty this is ridiculous like we need to get beyond that and think about the bigger picture. We need to get beyond that and think about how important it is to um, preserve our gun rights and band together because a unified voice speaks a lot louder and a lot, uh, lot stronger with many together rather than one reed in the wind. You know, one voice in the wind. Um, so I can go out there and. You know jump around and dance all i want like an idiot on the hill but unless a uh, movement is created then we're all just dancing to our own tune we need to be speaking one language one voice one accord you know to to um the senate to the house of representatives to the governor and have this lobbyist so i'm going to actually reach out to these guys to really help uh, help us do this because it's way out of my bubble and out of my purview but uh, I'd like to get this done well a, a lot a less awful version passed the next session we were successful during rulemaking and negotiating away requirements that would be impossible to comply with resulting in a gun dealer licensing act that while we're not happy with it won't run FFLs out of business now we turn our sites and resources to the assault weapons ban of 2023 Anti-gun groups want to blame the lawful gun dealer for the acts of criminals, gang members, and the deranged. They view us, the licensed firearm dealer, as a co-conspirator to the criminal underworld, and they want to run us out of business. FFL Illinois is dedicated to battling this assault on FFL holders by providing accurate information, provisional advisors in the Illinois legislature, and tools to mobilize against damaging bills. Our objective is to keep each member of the FFL IL informed and organized as a collective whole to work against destructive Illinois legislators and have our voices heard on all matters affecting the business operations of licensed dealers. It's great, excellent, um, and uh, music to my ears. If they can do it in Illinois, we can do it in mass. And we really need to because of the amount of gun control legislation that is mounting against us one more voice on beacon hill would be very good in addition to all the manufacturers uh, lobbyists gun owners action League, nssf etc cetera, etc cetera. so time to get some work done let's do it i'll be right back you're listening to rabbit federal um, ammunition is 100 this is where the american ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Thank you for joining us each and every week. I appreciate it. I will be getting to your comments soon. Uh, so I appreciate, if you want to be on the show, by the way, you can give us a call. The phone lines are open, 508-444-2120. It's 508-444-2120 uh, and we'll talk. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm really excited to see that I'm gonna have to, I got some work to do. I. Made, just made some more work for myself, uh, but that's the way it goes. And uh, it's worthy; it's a worthy endeavor, right? Preserving the rights of gun owners everywhere. Um, the news out there around guns is. Uh, Good. I, I would say good. We're seeing more wins than losses in the wake of the Bruin decision than we did in the wake of the Heller decision. And I would say things are still trending in the right direction. And we also saw um, saw the uh, trend, if you will, um, after the Bruin decision of legislatures immediately getting on board with having to fix their illegal unconstitutional gun laws, Massachusetts being one of them, at the very least, what they had to do was go from a shall, a May issue state to a shall issue state. So that is one of the big benefits of the Bruin decision that came out, the NYSERPA v. Bruin case. There's also all kinds of other implications that are going to continue to have the ripple effect uh, as far as wins and losses are concerned. Um, but you know, stuff we need to, we need to take it one step at a time. Incrementally, you win the war by winning little battles, right? You gotta, you gotta fight where, where you are. Um, there's battles on the beach. There's battles in the air. There's battles on the, by sea, um, battles on land. And you gotta win each skirmish. You gotta, um, learn from each one. You gotta know your enemy. And uh realize that they are not gonna be satisfied till total disarmament has happened. And that's the the bottom line is is uh, you know, we we see um you know, that is really where it's all gonna end. Um, so on that front, the whole know thy enemy front, I wanna read to you guys a couple of things I've been following on X, and that is um the I follow all, and if you don't follow them, you should. But every town and Moms Demand and Brady and Bloomberg and all those groups, you really should um, look into it because uh, you'll see what their strategy and their methodology is. Um, but just today, every town said, What do all these tragedies have in common? They were all carried out with an assault weapon. Just a few weeks ago, Senator Heinrich introduced the Gas-Operated Semi-Automatic Firearms Exclusion Act, which takes an innovative approach to regulating assault weapons by targeting their operation systems that allow shooters to fire dozens of shots in seconds. These weapons are deadly by design and have no place in our communities. Join the chorus of Americans putting pressure on Congress to pass an assault weapons ban and send a message to your senators and representatives with just a few clicks. Assault weapons have been used in nearly all of the country's deadliest mass shootings. It's funny how they leave out a few, like Virginia Tech and stuff like that, where, quote unquote, assault weapons weren't used but just regular handguns were like a Walther P22 uh, Glock pistol with 10 round magazines. (gasps) that doesn't fit the narrative, Toby. That doesn't fit the narrative. So we got to leave that one out. Yeah. The problem is uh, there's in a lot of cases, people don't have the will to fight. And so we end up having uh, them take over and, and, uh, people hiding under the desk and hoping instead of getting up and fighting uh you know whenever there's a chance and one of the biggest tragedies of that was as that guy was going through virginia tech he got into the library and he was basically just executing people with a 22 pistol to the back of the head and there was somebody sitting in line just and he said i was just waiting for my turn just waiting for my turn to be executed and it's like what the heck are you kidding me that's crazy. Like, get up and fight, man. I'm going down with a fight. Um, So anyway, another one that every town said is, right now we're not able to know if there's one gun store responsible for a disproportionate number of guns flowing into our city, but we should know. Mayor B.M. Scott from Baltimore City, which is suing the ATF over improper denial of gun crime data. This lawsuit isn't about taking on ATF. It's about securing access to critical gun crime data for local elected officials who can use it to reduce violence and save crimes. This is the trend, folks, right now. In Massachusetts, even, we're seeing this. uh, The Senate is obsessing over gun data. They all want gun data and gun crime data. This is in my mind, a red herring for gun registration and for doxing lawful and legal gun owners. I just read about Cabela's having to give up tens of thousands of 4473s to a anti-gun group. I think it was Bloomberg, if I'm not mistaken. And they are gonna have to show the data a court ordered that they show this gun control organization, all of the gun data, which is a total violation of privacy. It's a total, um, you know, violation of every, uh, here we go. we got to call. Hold on one sec. It is a total violation of every, uh, what do you call it? Um, hold on one sec let's see if we can get him on the phone here hello hello can you hear me now i can't give me one sec uh all right are you there don
0: i'm still here all All right right. thank you yeah Yeah.
1: we got you now loud and clear go ahead you're first up on (laughs) rapid fire
0: (laughs) thanks oh lots of people lucky today yeah Yeah, no, it's interesting, Toby, but the Supreme Court has ruled way back in the early 1920s that any law established in a constitutional republic must have concrete conditions of a problem or an evil that require the law. So this registration of firearms, licensing of lawful gun owners, again, I've broached the subject with you, but there is no proof that licensing lawful gun owners does anything to fight crime, nor registering firearms. I mean, the, the law is not rocket science. Believe me, I've met attorneys and judges, and they are not rocket scientists. And it's clear in simple language that a law must show a need, and not only that, Toby, but it must be monitored to see if the law is still efficacious and if it's still needed. If it isn't, it's supposed to be taken off the books. So I don't know. What
1: do you think? Well, let me ask you this. Are you saying that um, making a law that would uh, track the gun violence epidemics so that they can reduce homicides by 20 percent, just keeping track of uh, firearms transactions? Doesn't that sound like common sense gun legislation to you, Don?
0: Well, no. I mean, why don't we register criminals and keep track of them, Toby?
1: Hey, that makes too much
0: sense. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah, no. Just go ahead.
1: You know, in the state of Massachusetts, they kind of do both, right? Because the Sieges, the uh, Department of Criminal Justice Information Services, keeps track of the lawful gun owner and the criminal. They're both in the same database. Isn't that interesting? And I, you know, when I first found out about that, I said, Oh, this is perfect because once they rule that you can't own a gun, all they do is flip the switch and make the lawful gun owners over on the side of the criminal. And it's all in the same database. It's all the same, it's all in the same place.
0: Yeah, the the Corey in that there. But I mean, and, and to what constitutional principle. Uh, can be applied to this fact, and the answer is there isn't any, is it monitored? Does it take and reduce crime? And the answer, keeping lawful gun owners' names in some sort of database doesn't do anything to stop crime. It's like back in 1998, when that new Chapter 180 came out, and they revoked all the for life FID cards, which are a contract obligation, and it's protected under Article One of the U.S. Constitution. States cannot violate Uh, contractual obligations. And yet they did. Mm. Hello? And then the people who had LTCs, the police chiefs then held them to higher standards of the new ones as opposed to the original ones. And that's called an ex post facto law, which is, you and I both know, are unconstitutional. Mm. And why is it that if you hold a federal firearms license for collecting, I'll say, like, say, machine guns, why do you also have to buy a Massachusetts machine gun license and a Massachusetts LTC to give effect to that federal SFL in your ATF Form 4? Nobody can explain these things to me. I mean, I asked the people in Beacon Hill, my, my elected representatives. And all I get back is silence of a black hole. I don't know, Toby.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're you're 100% right. And we all know what it They're is. Right. All, all, the v- this all Don, of this regulation, Don, is simply a backdoor gun ban on and an effect to silence and make it harder for the law, lawful, law-abiding citizen to, to exercise the right to keep
0: and bear arms. Yeah, no, and, and I always ask this question, Toby, and I'll leave you with this. When did the right to keep and bear arms of the 1775 Patriots cease to exist? Can can anybody point to a date in time when the right established by the 1775 Patriots for their right to keep and bear arms no longer exists in Massachusetts or anywhere in the United States? Hmm. Nobody can tell me.
1: Yeah, you're 100% right over the target there, Don. And I'm sure they don't tell you because they can't. And there's no reason to get into a. Uh, argument of logic and reason with somebody who uh is for those machines of death so <laughs> well thanks for all you yeah. do don and i appreciate your contribution
0: no, right no legislation that violate constitutional limitations toby mm.
1: yes amen to that <laughs> all right brother keep the amen. faith and merry christmas well done, sir. all right thank you merry christmas take care all right so if you want to be on the show call 508-444-2120 that's 508-444-2120 and we will be right back after this you're listening to rapid fire episode number 155 for christmas all right and we'll be right back carrying a firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today the USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapidfire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapidfire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, self-defense, and hopefully the voice of reason, (laughs) Uh, common sense gun control is being a logical and critical thinker and using two hands. Uh, So anyway, Um, all right. Thanks for that call, Don. I appreciate you. And uh, if you want to be on the phone, it's 508-444-2120 where you can uh, chime in on the chat if you're following along. Uh, We will be a new announcement here, if I will say. Uh, We're going to be going back on local talk radio, WXTK, after the first of the year. In um, January, we'll be on 95.1 WXDK local talk radio uh, on Sundays at noon. So most of the time we will be doing this show, then it'll be a recorded version of the show that we do every Wednesday at four. However, I may elect to go into studio every once in a while and do the show live and take calls and whatnot from local people so all that good stuff so that's that's coming soon to a local talk radio station and um yeah you can check that out all right let's jump in the chat real quick um get to some of your questions uh, Hawaii is definitely an anti-gun rights state, no doubt about it. I think they're an AWB state, if I'm not mistaken. They might have some sort of assault. Up there. Oh, before we do this, I actually wanted to talk about uh, Vermont. The Vermont Federation of Sportsmen's Clubs are, is suing the state. So a little backstory to why I care about this is when I first became a gun owner, there was one constitutional carry state in the nation it was in vermont vermont was the only state you didn't need a license to carry you didn't need a license to buy a gun or anything so they virtually had no laws the only real law i would say as it pertained to restricting firearms access or infringing upon firearms ownership in any way shape or form Was regarding silencers and suppressors. So um, they were a restricted item. You couldn't buy them in the state. Now, ironically, they became the 42nd state, I believe, to make silencers and suppressors legal. However, they also ended up Doing all kinds of crazy stuff as it uh, with gun laws, which really stinks because um, I thought that the it made a lot of sense to have a state where there's no real gun laws of um, any consequence, if you will, and watch what happens, right? And they were, and still are, one of the safest states in the country. But since passing the Hearing Protection Act, of whatever they called it, they have banned uh, suppressors, and they have banned silencers, which is too bad. I'm I'm sorry. They've allowed silencers, but they've banned assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, which is like Talk about a solution in search of a problem. Um, They don't have a gun crime epidemic, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, And they didn't have people being shot down in the streets or in the schools or in the um, you know, their cities and squares and whatnot. So anyway, I just wanted to read about that a little bit real quick. Um, So. The state of Vermont is a weird place when it comes to guns. Uh, This is a Bearing Arms by Tom Knighton uh, that came out yesterday. The state of Vermont is a weird place when it comes to guns. On one hand, they're a constitutional carry state, which is usually an indicator that a place is pretty pro-gun. On the other hand, they've got things like magazine restrictions and waiting periods for gun sales, which are popular in anti-gun states. It's confusing to say the least. For the Vermont Federation of Sportsmen's Clubs, it's a problem. Now they're suing the state over those two gun control items mentioned above. They're challenging Vermont's 72-hour waiting period law and its ban on standard capacity firearms magazines. The organization's president, Chris Bradley, says the restrictions infringe on Vermonters' rights to self-defense. In a statement, Bradley said, in part, the Supreme Court made it clear The governments may not impose arbitrary and pointless restrictions like Vermont's waiting period and its ban on commonly owned standard capacity magazines. These restrictions unconstitutionally infringe on Vermonter's fundamental right to self-defense and must be struck down. And let's be real, there's no magazine restrictions or waiting period that isn't going to be arbitrary. In this case, it's 72 hours. But what happens when someone gets a firearm on the 73rd hour and then does something to themselves or or others? Is that going to be grounds to make it a 96-hour waiting period? We know that the Parkland killer used 10-round magazines while slaughtering innocent high school kids. Reloading wasn't a problem for him, so should those magazine capacities be lowered still further? All of it is arbitrary, and yes, they're all pointless as well. Waiting periods don't stop criminals. Magazine restrictions don't stop them either. If Vermont Vermont is interested in actually addressing violent crime, this isn't the way. One of the safest states in the nation, but the others are in the top five, are all pro-gun states. I'll argue that the reason Vermont is there is at least in part because of constitutional carry being the norm there, not because they started restricting gun rights. Yeah, they were the safest state in the nation, way before their assault weapons ban and magazine restrictions Um, and their waiting period. Uh, So it's all arbitrary. Um, If Vermont, uh, let's see, restricting what law-abiding people can do doesn't tend to impact criminals. Amen to that. They're already breaking the law. Why would they hesitate to break gun laws as well? They do it at every gun-controlled state in the nation. Vermont isn't a unique snowflake in that regard. Yet the anti-gun voices, they are are doing all they can do to make it difficult for law-abiding citizens. The VFSC is trying to fight back as they should, and there's no reason for this. And as they note, Bruin is exactly filled with justifications of this kind of nonsense. You'll have to find historic analogs from back in the day to support magazine restrictions, or impose waiting periods and you're not just going to find those they don't exist that's because our founding fathers knew better during the time of incorporation even they knew better it's only states like Vermont that can't seem to learn the lesson gun rights matter they do not however lead to crime and restricting them makes no one safer it just doesn't happen and it's not going to happen Um, yeah that's so true and you know what was interesting about the um, the joint committee that I spoke at, at in the house of representatives is that you'll hear a lot uh, in, by the way, it was the state house, um in, on Beacon Hill, you'll hear all these people from moms demand action and whatnot say like, Oh, we need to ban guns from playgrounds and polling places. Cause I don't think I should, have to be around guns if I'm on the playground with my grandkids or when I'm going to vote. And that just makes us less safe. And I got to tip my hat to Representative Steve Xaros who said, uh, how does that make you less safe? Well, somebody could accidentally shoot themselves or shoot me. And it's like, just because you have an irrational fear of guns in your mind, doesn't mean that bad things are going to happen with them. There's three to 400 million guns in this country. And every night they go to sleep safely in the safe and don't go out at night and murder people. Guns don't make you less safe by their presence, by their mere presence. They're, they're an inanimate object, just like a car or a knife or a bat or a rope. They all have useful purposes. And at some point, uh, they can be used for evil, but they can also u- be used to stop evil. And that's the key. Um, that really is the is the key. F- there is just because your emotional, irrational thought about what that should be doesn't match your emotional, irrational thought, um, doesn't mean that you get to have special rights and privileges uh, outside of what my rights and privileges are, uh, which have been endowed by my creator, and they're unalienable. Uh, So, yeah, I'm sorry to say, um, I would much rather help you overcome your irrational fear of guns. And the funny thing is, it's only an irrational fear when it's out of the concentration of power that they are comfortable with. So the concentration of power that they're comfortable with is on a police officer's hip, right? When they're in a Dunkin' Donuts or in the Starbucks and a cop comes in for his coffee... They don't cringe when the cop has the gun on their hip and go, oh my God, I got to get out of here. There's a gun here. Oh my gosh. They see guns all the time on police officers' hips and they don't have a problem with it. Why? Why do they have a problem with it when it's in civilian hands? And I would say I have more of an, uh, uh, maybe this is irrational to them. Maybe it is irrational. But the thought of only government entities having access to guns scares me more than guns in the hands of lawful, peaceful citizens. I don't like concentrations of power in any way, shape or form. I don't want it to be just the military has guns. I don't want it to be just the police have guns. I believe lawful and law-abiding people should be able to have guns. And uh, the lawful and law law abiding, is the part that is the sliding scale that they're trying to get us to overcome or and cross over so that we end up being on the wrong side of history. So we end up in that three felony a day thing and how government is trying to cock a loaded gun and put it to our head and saying, you better not. Because if you do, you're gonna screw up and you're gonna be in jail, you're gonna be fined, you're gonna be have criminal record, you're gonna be a prohibited person. There's no other law or uh, there's no other enumerated right that is hanging by a thread like the Second Amendment is in states like Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Hawaii, California, Maryland, where, man, you screw up, you lose your right to keep and bear arms. And that is tragic, if you think about it. Um it's a, it's a right that is treated more like a privilege than a right, um, and that's the big thing I I like to point out all the time is is the fact that we we are treated differently as gun owners in the state of Massachusetts than we are any other segment of society. Um, if I want to go vote, I don't have to pay the poll tax, I don't have to get a license, I don't have to show ID even, which I would be okay with if there's a voter ID. Um, I don't have to get a special license. I don't have to have a uh, uh, three people vouch for me, my character. I don't have to have a chief of police either approve or deny based on whether he thinks I'm suitable to vote. Uh, he might not like me. He might not like the neighborhood I live in. He might not like who I live with. And therefore he could say, eh, I don't want that guy to be able to go vote. And yet that is done every day in America when it comes to guns, when it comes to the Second Amendment, when it comes to, uh, you know, people trying to exercise their Second Amendment right. And the too many people have tolerated it for too long. And I think it's time we stand up and be counted by making our voices heard at the polling place, at the voting, you know, voting booth, at the, um, in the town square, at town meetings, at, um, public hearings on, uh, zoning board of appeals and zoning hearings for people who, uh, want to open a gun store and the the people are coming out in opposition to it. It's, It's crazy, but anyway, um, don't go away we're going to talk on the other side and i'm going to roll the gun of the week video i'm going to damn the torpedoes and uh we're going to see how that goes so uh don't go away we will be right back after this i'm toby leary federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market Federal Punch hollow points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need Punch defensive ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal Punch defensive hollow point ammunition here at Cape Gunmark. All right. Welcome back to rapid fire. Let's see if this works. Uh, this is your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, second amendment, and self-defense sponsored by vortex optics and the uscca. So, uh, I'm going to try and roll the gun of the week video here. So let's do it. Hey everyone, Toby from rapid fire radio, and it's time for another gun of the week. This week's gun of the week, I think we should look at together. So let's open it up. A lot of people are looking for a good home defense or a competition gun, a full-size range gun, and this gun really fits the bill. So check this out. This is the Smith & Wesson M&P9 competitor. It is a really cool gun. They put a whole metal frame. So if you're used to the polymer frame, striker fired guns, this one, they kind of took it old school and made a metal frame, uh, which adds a little bit of weight, although not really. I mean, maybe a nominal amount of weight. It feels almost the same weight as the polymer frame guns. It still has the interchangeable back strap, like your polymer frame guns. Comes with the extended mag release, the flared mag well. It's optics ready. It comes with a nice tritium fiber optic front sight, blacked out rear. So it is ready to go for competition. So comes with four different magazines a lot of times you're changing mags on the fly in competition and uh, these are also already massified they're 10 round mags so there you have that you'll see that they stick down a little bit so you can still pull them out of the gun if you get one stuck in there so that's a good feature because the magwell sometimes gets in the way of that but anyway this week's gun of the week is the Smith and Wesson MMP competitor let's go see how it shoots I'm curious so, Let's go check it out. All right, so we're out on the range with the m 9 2.0 competitor. I'm really looking forward to shooting this gun, the all-metal competition-ready, optic-ready gun. So let's give it a try, see how it shoots. Going hot. That was very nice. So let's put a couple more down range, see how it goes at a faster rate. Woo! This thing is sweet. I gotta say, this is an absolute pleasure to shoot. Very accurate, nice trigger. And uh, I think you should have one. So come on down to Cape Gunworks and check out the m 9 2.0 competitor. It is pretty sweet. Super cool gun. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on rapid fire. All right. Welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And, uh, hold on. I got to remove, remove the other thing here. And, uh, so here. All right. Uh, cool i gotta stop the screen share that's what i gotta do i'm learning i'm learning you guys are learning right along with me uh it might not be the most polished show on on the interwebs but it's a fun one right (laughs) hope you guys enjoy it uh i enjoy doing it it's awesome so all right as promised we're getting right to the comments and uh let me know if you guys have anything you want to talk about in the comments you can also uh jump in on the phones. It's 508-444-2120. All right, here we go. Idea. Have John Richardson on for a chat. His blog is called Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Dang it. Somebody already stole my thunder. Let's do it. Put me in touch with them, G-Webs, and I'll make it happen. Uh, Lawyers, Guns, and Money is my... I joke with my kids whenever I play the Warren Zifon song. I'm like, this is my anthem. This is like the story of my life. So uh, (laughs) I'm all for it. And I don't know who John Richardson is, but let's do it. I'll have to check out his blog. Um, I'm game. And uh, anyone who has a blog named Lawyers, Guns and Money, he must be a friend of mine. All right. Uh, Thank you, Syconi Art. I will someday do that. And I'm glad to know that at least one person will read it. Um, I don't know if my wife would even read it if I wrote it, but maybe she would. Yeah, I think she would, should help me. So, um, not because she doesn't love me, but you know, it's just not her thing. So I'm glad I'm back too. Thank you very much, much, Chris. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're all doing great, Duncan. Uh, let's see. Um. That's what shooting 9 millimeter does, causes division among gun folks. It's a shame. Yeah, uh, I see what you did there, and I'm not taking that bait. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Um, and you can't tell me shooting 9 millimeter isn't more pleasant than other calibers. But I just did what you sh- tried to do, and I said I wasn't going to do. So anyway, here it is, the book that I was mentioning – Three Felonies a Day, How the Fed Targets the Innocent by Harvey Silvergate in 2011. Thank you for that, G-Webs. I am going to get that book maybe in my stocking and read it. Um, thank you, Vinny. I appreciate you and uh, glad you're listening. So, you know, it's funny. I joke all the time. People come in and say, oh, I hear you on the radio or I talk to you. Or on the, I heard you on the Grace Curley show. Or I heard you, and I say jokingly, but I'm really not joking. Thank you for listening. At least I know I'm not talking to myself. So uh, it's always nice to know that there's other people out there and that are listening. And if if not, it would be a little weird, would it not? Um, talking to yourself, I guess, is considered a condition in some uh, health circles. So I try not to do that. LTC held over our heads like nothing else. You're right about that ASD. It's, um, it's definitely held over the head and, uh, it's sad that that's the case. Um, let's see, uh, still in Holyoke, Holyoke mass. The wait time for an LTC appointment is three months. That's crazy. And, uh, when we need another three months to have it in your hand. That's crazy, Ray. Um, justice delayed is justice denied. So what about rights delayed? I would have to say they're rights denied, right? Um. And yet, so many people don't see a problem with that. All of the Moms Demand, Bloomberg, Giffords, every town, Brady, uh, they're all on board with making sure you have to suffer to exercise your right to keep and bear arms. Um, we need to unite to build a militia to fight together. That's an interesting thought and concept, Ray. Um, You know, I remember the militias of the 90s, the early 90s when I was a gun owner. I remember thinking about these guys and being like, I don't know if I'd be friends with them or if I'd be like horrified by them because I really didn't know what they were all about. But the bottom line is I remember thinking like, "Eh, it sounds complicated. It sounds, you know, just like... The Boy Scouts for adults, <laughs> you know, I, I I didn't really form a, a a great opinion of it. And the media hammered of militias as these right wing extremists, white supremacist groups that you know train in the deserts, train in the mountains. They hoard supplies. They go up there and play GI Joe in the woods, and and uh, they're just waiting for a reason to. Pop off against the government. That was the perception of them in the media. And I have a sneaky suspicion that most of them were probably, you know, kind of geeky prepper guys that all could rally around a single set of, um, you know, like a single mission statement. And it was given them a reason to go get trained up, a reason to kind of collaborate and and learn survival skills and learn how to fight, learn how to prep, you know, learn how to uh, live off the land, that type of thing. And also, um they were patriots who would come to the defense of the country if necessary. So under that thought umbrella, if you will, I'm not opposed to it, and I'm not um, uh, sure what it would look like in this day and age and also i'm not sure what it would how it would be perceived and at this point i really don't care but um the the big thing is what is the rallying point what is the mission statement what is the the battle cry if you will um if it was simple like a group open to all people for the purpose of Preservation of our country, safety of our community, and the learning of our history, like that could be the three-pronged thing, like history, preservation, and safety. And everything falls under that umbrella and it's open to anybody and everybody. It sounds like a win. And the problem is I just don't know how much traction it would have how much and it doesn't really matter but if you did that and i'm just throwing this out i'd love to hear your feedback on this if you did that then do gun laws apply to you because you take them at their own argument right uh a lot of times you'd hear oh militia uh um, is what the Second Amendment's all about. It's the militia. Uh, so if you, if you, kind of say, "Okay, I'm a member of the militia," so therefore, the gun control doesn't apply to me. So listen to the text of the Second Amendment a well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state and i've heard the bloomberg argument and the you know the brady argument regulated so there's historical analog for regulating the second amendment no 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 that's regulating the militia has nothing to do with regulating the type of firearms a well regulated so it's an organized uh Militia with a mission statement that has rules, that has um, you know a structure to it. That's all that means to me. Being necessary to the security of a free state, why is that necessary to the security of a free state? Well, because at the time, small government relied upon the people, which makes sense. Hey, I'm a member of this country. I'm a citizen in this country i have a vested interest in seeing it succeed seeing it not be invaded seeing its borders secured seeing that it stays a free country that makes a lot of sense and yeah i don't want my tax taxes to go through the roof in order to man you know 87 different law enforcement organizations or national guards or you know state uh state guard organizations, paramilitary organizations, right? It could be done with the able-bodied men showing up a couple times a year and going through some training, et cetera, et cetera. The right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. So that's three different things right there. It's a well-regulated militia, which is necessary to the security of a free state. Then there's another comma. And then the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So the right of the militia, the right of the people, and the right which is necessary to the security of a free state. So, how do we keep the state free? We have a militia. How do we keep it free? We arm our people. We we let them be armed. We allow them to be armed. And we can't regulate them because it shall not be infringed. So, That all makes a ton of sense to me. Um, But going back to the wanting to organize FFLs in Massachusetts, it's not really my strong suit. And so, um, yeah, I don't know how to form a militia either. Let's just call a spade a spade. I'd be one that would look at uh, membership seriously and hard hard and long, but I just don't know uh, what that would all look like. But imagine maybe even the militia having a lobbyist at state house. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, But going back to the thought process of, okay, so because the militia is well regulated, therefore they're not subject to any and all gun control. And what did, what was required of militia members was that they were to come and come to training with their own firearm, their own ammo. And at least I think it was 20 rounds of, you know, 20 balls, caps, and shot, if you will, or patches, balls, powder, and caps, 20 rounds of their own. So therefore high capacity, right? (laughs) Um, I think you could really spin the argument around right on their head. So, uh, Aaron, I appreciate the thumbs up, buddy. Thank you very, very much. Um, Lawful gun owners can fight crime. It would be a good nation. Yeah, you know, I don't want them out there like a bunch of vigilantes chasing people down for traffic infractions, right? That would be stupid. Um, And I think that, there's an obligation and a duty to a responsible and lawful citizen to actually do something about it. If they see it, if it's a real, real, real crime, um, they, they can intervene. You can come to the defense of somebody else. Um, but you know, your life will have changed forever. So, um, that brings up a good, another whole topic for discussion. Um, when will be we be getting some spear LTs? I have no idea. Um that is something that I wish I could get right now, but unfortunately um are sold out everywhere I go. So that would be cool if I could. But um how you doing, CNT? Good to see you. Um, hope all is well. Uh, Question, Sig Spear or Daniel Defense? Well, it depends what state you live in, Blockhead. If you're in Massachusetts, you're limited to probably the Sig Spear. Um, I don't know if I lived in a free state, if I would choose to get the Sig Spear over a traditional AR-15. That's a good question. Um, The Daniel Defense guns are almost as pricey as the Sig Spear. Uh, the Sig Spear is a piston driven gun, which I am a little partial to, even though I don't own one anymore. Um, I love the Barrett Rec. seven. Uh, I like the primary, uh, weapon systems. I like, what was the other one? Um, there was one called a bear defense or adcore defense. The bear was the. Piston driven AR. I had one of those. I sold that. Um, if I was ever to go back to a piston driven gun, it would probably be the Barrett Rec 7. Uh, and if it was a Barrett Rec 7 or the Sig Spear, I'd take the Barrett. Daniel Defense just doesn't do much for me. I don't know. I probably am ruffling a lot of feathers by saying that because there's a huge fanboy base or fan base for uh, Daniel Defense. I just don't know what it is. I I never liked them. I don't like their handguards, I don't like their grips, I don't like their stocks. I don't think they're a, an aesthetically pleasing gun. Um just personal opinion of it. I'm not saying they're not good guns. They are. Um but I just don't know and I don't really know what it is about them I don't like because they function well. They they're robust guns and uh you know, I know they're well made, but they just never really did it for me. I don't know why, and I don't know what the reason is. Um, in a world full of ARs, I, if I was going to spend twenty five hundred bucks on an AR, it would not be a Daniel Defense. It would be probably the Barrett Rec Seven or a Larue, which I do have. There's one sitting right. If I can, right there, that's my LaRue. And that LaRue is not the model that I actually want. I want the LaRue uh, Predatober, which has the detachable handguard and a quick barrel change system. That's the Predator, which is a, you want to talk about bulletproof gun. That thing is robust. Um, Mark LaRue was a nuclear machinist. And so he makes stuff to ridiculous tolerances. But um, one of the big things that LaRue did that outshines them all, in my opinion, is the end of the upper receiver is mated to the handguard and they match up and screw together. And it's not a typical AR upper where you can just use a barrel nut and whatever handguard you want. You have to use their handguard on their upper and it screws together through like a almost like a muffler connection for lack of a better term but it's a much higher tolerance obviously it's flanged connection and i love that because there's nowhere for it to go and the predetober is very similar except instead of screws it uses clips that like spring clips that kind of lock it down and hold it tight um and I really like the versatility of that, the takedown version, if you will, you can take it apart with, it comes with a little wrench and you can unscrew the barrel nut real easily and take it down and put it in like a roll and roll it up into like a 12 and a half, 14 inch package or whatever that then you can quickly put it together. So anyway, um, I don't know where I got off on LaRue, but, uh, that's my answer. So basically blockhead, if I was had to, choose between a SIG Spear or Daniel Defense. It would be the SIG Spear, I think. And SIG Spear had a massive problem with their handguards. So there's been issues with those as well. But I have way more experience with the SIG Spear. I mean, I have sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those rifles, you know, probably north of 500 rifles, where I've sold maybe less than 10 Daniel defenses. And that's partly because of the state I live in. But on the other hand, I just have way more experience with them. So there we go. Uh, He uh, was thinking the same, but probably going to go with the Spear LT. And uh, all right, let's see. Is there any way the Springfield Armory Echelon will be available in mass? It's a modular system, which has a central operating group is the serialization part. Yeah. It's very similar to like the SIG 320. They, they took a chapter right out of the 320. And, uh, I think this is the future of all guns, to be honest with you. Um, I think the versatility, the modifiability if that's a word to make it so you can modify it and, uh, the adaptability, the versatility is just off the charts with these Uh, with the FCU that uh, SIG came out with. And the bottom line is, um, I think that the Springfield Armory echelon will be um, made mass compliant someday, whether it be by getting it added to the approved weapons roster or by the approved weapons rosters finally going away because of a legal challenge so that would be ultimately the best news right yeah Yeah, let's make that roster bad history because that's exactly what it is and in fact um the let me think about how to say this but um that is being challenged by firearms policy coalition in massachusetts and It's already been challenged in California. So uh, that's another case before Benitez in the Southern District of California. I think there's actually two or three cases in the Southern District of California. I know um, like San Diego gun owners have challenged it and whatnot. So there hopefully is going to go up the chain rather quickly to the Supreme Court. But again, you know, send lawyers, guns and money. That's all it takes. Uh Kevin, there is not a shortage of ammo right now, nine millimeter ammo. Um, but powder has gone through the roof according to Vista, and it is gonna get more expensive. I don't know if it's gonna get uh scarce again, but it's gonna get expensive. Um Yeah, that's true, too, uh, that the Echelon is already shipping with 10 round versions. So that would be great. I'd love to see that. Do law enforcement only guns in Massachusetts apply to active military? Only if the military unit you serve in has powers of arrest. So if you're just an admin or a ground pounder or regular soldier, no. But if you're military police or you're some sort of like coast guard boarding agent or, um, something like that, where you have powers of arrest in the line of duty that you operate in, then yes, it does. But unfortunately, if you're like an equipment engineer or a, you know, fuel technician or something like that, no, unfortunately. Vermont sadly is as bad as Connecticut, Mass, and Rhode Island for Second Amendment law bills from the Berkshires. Yep. Uh, Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, They're not quite as bad as those states because they still don't have a licensing requirement, but they're quickly catching up on all of the other issues. And Vermont was an an interesting anomaly for a long period of time because they were a very liberal rural community that um, largely put people like Patrick Leahy in the Senate, right? Uh, Bernie Sanders comes from Vermont. Uh, They were never really a strong Republican stronghold or a right-wing area. However, the people there are very common sense, nuts and bolts Americans that are you know, roll up your sleeve, get it done, and hardworking people that just want to be left alone. And most of them hunt, most of the state of Vermont owns guns. So they were this interesting community where they were very liberal leaning, but very favorable to gun ownership and gun laws. And again, all that changed in the last 10 years, unfortunately. But, you know, again, it's a solution. It's virtue signaling. It's projection. It is trying to do something. It's the do something crowd that is ruining gun laws for everybody, really. They all think that by restricting you and I, they're making our our streets safer, When nothing could be further from the truth. In our history, think about that. In our nation's history, there was a time when you could be fined if you were caught walking to church without your firearm, without a gun. If you were walking to church on Sunday morning with your family, going to meeting, and you didn't have a gun on you, you could be fined. Why? Because there was an active threat against you for being attacked. Um, by bandits, by Indians, by, uh, you know, those people who are going to cause you harm along the way. And the state recognized, hey, we can't be everywhere every time. You know, we're not going to ride piggyback on your way to Sunday morning service. So carry your dang gun. And using the logic that modern gun control people use would be, hey, there's been a lot of attacks on the way to church. So therefore, we need to take away your gun. We want to make sure that the walk to church is a gun-free zone. Therefore, we're all safer. And it's like, what? How does that make us safer? You're cutting off the resource that would enable me to protect myself in the interaction I have with the evil or the violent person that wants to do me harm. How does that make any sense whatsoever? It doesn't. We all know it doesn't. But that is the modern gun control argument. And they have organized their message to reflect that. And like, oh, you know, gun control laws save lives, like like I read to you earlier. Um, and then they'll give you every anecdotal example of some child or some person getting shot randomly by an unregistered you know gun in a state with registration or an unlawful gun owner uh you know a criminal shooting them and say see now don't you want to do something about that and don't you want to give up your guns and make it so that it's like no i don't because it's not going to matter i'm not the problem hello anyway Thank you. Merry Christmas to you and to all a good year. God bless us, everyone. I shot the Spear LT at the SIG Academy and I feel like uh, I'm just un- indecisive. Our 590 retro grades around? I need to get myself a Christmas present. Um, I don't have any. Uh, we had a bunch and I don't know. I might be able to get you one. Um, let's see if I can, uh, that's a good idea. Good use of technology during the show. Um, let's see 590 retrograde. Um, looks like they're all out of stock right at the moment, but let me just check my, there's a couple different models. There's the one with the like heat shield, um, and bayonet lug, and then there's the one without the bayonet lug and the heat shield. So let's go for the bayonet lug and heat shield and see what that one is. But I don't know if anybody has them, but if they do, we can make it happen for you, Davey. Look at that. I'm I'm trying to do a special order while we're live on the air here. That'll get you bumped off something, I bet. Um, Let me see if any distributor has them. Yes, I could get you one. I could get you the 590 retrograde persuader with the eight plus one 20 inch barrel bayonet lug and heat shield. So if you want it, Davey, we can get it. Yeah. Look at that. I feel good about myself right now. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I could do it. Let's do it. I'll send you a link so you can check out the one I can get you. Uh, And you can see if you want it. Give us a call. We'll do a special order and treat yourself to that Christmas gift. Dang it. All right. Um, you'll absolutely love the Spear LT. Order one from Toby. Thank you, Steve. You got yourself one of those um, and you love it, right? Uh, I do like the fact that the Spear LT has great handguard, plenty of room for accessories it is a little on the heavy side. I will, I will say that, but that should work to its advantage of being a more robust platform. That's that piston platform, but you know, there's a lot of heavy metal on that gun. I'll just call it that. Do I think the large, the Springfield echelon will be on the large capacity list? No. Um, if they ever add the spear, the Springfield echelon, it'll be on the approved weapons roster. Uh, they really don't even update the large capacity list anymore. I don't know when the last time they did. Um, free state suppressor is the first thing on the list. Houses on the market. Oh, that's too bad, Duncan. Um, I understand the sentiment, but I hate to see good 2A people go. We've already lost half of the 2A community in Massachusetts since 1998. We used to have 1.2 million gun owners in this state. Now we have 600,000 and less by the day. Um, So, you know, once, once uh, the Eagle has fallen, it's going to be real tough to claw back our rights. So wish we could get the HR MR556 here. Me too. And I don't even think they're importing these guns anymore, Chris. Um, I actually have one in the shop uh, for LE sales and it is a serious gun, but I haven't met too many cops that are willing to drop thirty five hundred bucks, but they're pretty sweet. Um, yeah, uh, you know that's a good thought. If I could buy the modules, yeah, we absolutely could, Duncan. Um, I, I hadn't really thought of that, but if I can just get those fire control units up and until this new law that's pending, if if they cut that legislation out of the out of the mix. In the Senate, then yeah, because I think what they're trying to do is make the part of the ghost gun regulation is they want to start to recognize frames and receivers as firearms like the feds do in the state of Massachusetts. And they also want to make it so that you can't build a gun that's not on the approved weapons roster. Good luck with that. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. See the problem with that is I can't just order those frames. So Davey, that's that's part of the problem. Uh, the FN Five Ten and the FN Five Forty Five, I think, will be on the next list. So fingers crossed. You never know. Uh, an extra comment to help boost the algorithm. Thank you very much, Silvermine. Uh, the American Suppressor Association. Um, that's a good good one to join. Uh, Because you definitely, they have organized some really good gun laws in the the United States. I think they had a big deal to play in uh, the Vermont legalizing suppressor ownership. Uh, Suppressors not being legal in all 50 states is just absolutely asinine and ridiculous. Um, That's, uh, in my opinion, a very, very ridiculous law because basically all it does is reduce the decibel rating by 26 to 29 on average which is like putting a pair of muffs on and i would actually like to take anybody who thinks suppressors are a bad idea to my range and i'll have them shoot my 556 five, with a can Indoors without hearing protection. Let's do it. I'll, I'll I'll take anybody who thinks it's a bad idea, and they can listen to their ears ring after shooting with a suppressor. Um. They wouldn't make the walk to church uh, gun free. The church is the problem. They'll outlaw going to church. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Anything's on the table. Anything and everything is on the table once guns are off the table, if you know what I mean. Uh, front runners, North Carolina, but Tennessee has some nice options too. Moving closer to family on the Brewage Parkway area. Well, if you're moving for all the right reasons, I get it. But if you're moving for to get out of gun hell, then stay and fight because... Gun hell is going to come to every city and state someday. Um, But anyway. All right, Davey, come on down, bud. When they make really strict gun laws, uh, drug laws, they succeeded in keeping drugs out of the hands of criminals. Right. The war on drugs was a raging success. Uh, In fact, um, had they not just rescinded the the D.A.R.E. program, uh Hunter Biden never would have fallen afoul of the law in the gun, gun uh, drug world or the gun world, right? Um, <laughs> obviously, that's being facetious. However, um, your your argument is well received because the the point is making a law to affect the behavior of criminals never works. Ever right? Um, both states have great 2A organizations: grassroots North Carolina and Tennessee Firearms Association. Yeah, they are. You know, I'm jealous. I'll be honest. I'm jealous. Someday, I'd like to just buy property in a in another state, and then you have the ability to buy guns in the other state if you buy, you know, own land or or a dwelling in the, in another state. I'm actually seriously considering North Dakota. I know a guy who found some of, found some law, and maybe someone can fact check me on this, but they say that in North Dakota, they have a vagrancy law that if you spend one night in a hotel in North Dakota, you can declare your residency there. Um, that sounds a little bit of a stretch to me. But if you could get uh an apartment or a you know townhouse or a condo or a or a raw land or a or a raw land and put a trailer on it or something and have a place you visit once a year to check on the weeds, make sure they're not growing. And uh you could make residency there. You could participate in their election. You could um have be afforded free state status and all the gun laws of that state would apply to you then sounds like a win i'd register my vehicles there i'd you know visit it once a year and check on it and make sure all is good maybe you could rent it out maybe you could um you know do an airbnb or something and just go there when you want all i'm saying is uh it seems like uh Uh, I got to really look into that further. It's not a state that I actually want to move to, but they have a lot going to for it. Um, As far as, you know, financial situations and, and all that. But, and I don't know what the cost of raw land is there, but it'd be cool. Um, Patrick. Let's see here uh all good patrick and it's been in the plan for some years i hate leaving the state there are some good folks here uh you know like cape gunners all right well thank you i appreciate that duncan um this is an interesting question what's my thoughts on cockfighting it's immoral right she's you know i i don't know enough about it it seems like it is uh if it's all just for a gambling reason, it sounds very uh, barbaric. Um, However, the only thing I would say is, and this is my ignorance speaking, but if there's certain breeds of roosters that like were born to fight (laughs) and they don't, then that could be just as bad in some ways, right? I mean that sounds stupid but it if you think about it um like my dog is born to hunt the breed I have you can't buy the dog if you don't hunt it because it would be detrimental to the breed it would be detrimental to the dog if he doesn't do something in the form of work that is part of its nature and it is a fanatic about smelling for animals and finding animals and flushing birds and you know chasing bunnies and tracking deer and whatever so um i don't know enough about it to be able to weigh in on it from a moral perspective it sounds pretty barbaric to me but if it's solely to wet somebody's appetite to bet and you know uh game or gamble over it yeah i don't think we need that in this society but whatever i'm pretty libertarian in my view uh, as far as i'm concerned people should be left alone if they're if there's like legit cruelty to animals like they're getting their eyeballs popped out because they're fighting these things and they're killing other birds and they're suffering in the process just so someone can have a good time and smoke a cigar and bet and try to make 500 bucks. Eh. I mean, there's also deep rooted traditions within societies. You know, I know in some of the Asian cultures, there's cockfighting is runs deep, you know, and maybe that's, you know, I don't know. Like I'm not against bullfighting and I know that, results in a bull suffering painfully. Um, I'm kind of against dog fighting because I, I don't like the thought of it. But also going back to the breeding issue, like certain dogs are bred to fight. And if they don't, fight they're just they have no quality of life they're miserable existence now if they do fight they have no quality of life and a miserable existence as well because they're getting their faces ripped off by other dogs but that's the drive in them to go and get up and and get after it and i know there's no excuse in my mind for pitting one dog against the other except if the dog was bred for that reason it's not going to be happy unless it's doing what it was bred for and doing what its nature is. Um, So, you know, I I read a whole book about that that kind of changed my perspective on that. And I don't know why I'm taking so much time on this. This is not a subject of grave importance, but um, I forget what the heck the name of the book was. Uh, I think it's The Heart of a Fighter and it talks about like a modern fighter, a uh, ancient fighter, et cetera, et cetera. But there was this whole chapter on gameness and it was the will to fight. And it talks about dog fighting. And the dogs bred for that, that is their purpose in life. Like they don't do anything else. They're not going to make a house pet. They're not going to, um, you can't train them to retrieve. You can't train them to hunt. You can't train them to, you know, walk through Central Park on a leash, uh, a slack leash. And, you know, they're they're born to fight. That is what it is. There's several breeds that are like that. And um, if you don't do it, it's just tortures the dog. They're sitting there in a cage all day because they have no other, you know. So anyway, I don't, again, I'm not, trying to start an internet fire here and get called out and shut down because i'm by some woke you know <laughs> uh person on on that but uh the fn fn reflex is on the next roster update i agree that is a great gun uh i appreciate Cockroach. roach uh <laughs> uh has a rugged uh matinee idol Whatever that is, I'll 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 take your word for it. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, let's see. I expect a bunch of anti-gun bills in Alabama this year. Don't think they will pass this year, but they are coming. Yeah, so you got to get used to fighting, no matter where the heck you are. It's all coming to a city near you, right? Uh, ever make an honest regulatory gun mistake? Can we invoke the new Hunter Biden exclusion? Yes. Uh, Good point. Again, I don't think there should be regulatory mistakes able to be made when we have something that says shall not be infringed. I think we, like Don and Stoughton had a very good point. We should register and keep track of criminals, not lawful gun owners, criminals. Like, If you're part of the system, be part of the system while you're on probation, everything else. And then once it expires and you're off probation, you go back into society and become a productive member of society. If you screw up again, you go away for even longer. But frankly, I think that your rights should be restored once you've paid your debt to society. And uh, I don't think that. I don't think that. uh, I don't think that there should be this uh, rule change for the masses of society because some psycho or somebody makes a mistake and does something stupid with a gun. You know, I know good people who've done something stupid with a gun before that made a mistake, you know, left a gun somewhere they shouldn't have. Um, No one got hurt. No one was harmed. Everybody was made hole in the situation, but now they're a prohibited person. They got their rights stripped. Um, I know police who've left guns in bathrooms ended their careers, right? You go to the bathroom, you're carrying a gun, you got to take it off and you leave and you like, oh shoot, figure out later that you put it somewhere out of reach, out of sight and you forgot. And, you know, that could happen to anybody, right? In this day and age, cell phones and someone calling you and texting you and everything else, not to say we shouldn't be responsible with a gun, we should, we should be the most responsible. Uh, And I would think, I would say that the civilian population is more responsible with guns than even law enforcement is. Um, I watch a YouTube channel uh, called Audit the Audit. And um, there's a guy who kind of monitors that whole First Amendment auditing movement that people who really push the boundaries of the First Amendment. And some get arrested and whatever. But there was this one episode uh, where a SWAT PD member was driving in his car, drunk, and he passed out at a light, sound asleep at the light. And someone called the police that there's a car at the light that's not going anywhere. And the police show up and they're tapping on the window like with their flashlight trying to wake this guy up. He can't, he won't wake up. He's just plastered, passed out behind the wheel car, running in the, in the line of traffic. And his full kit is in the back. He actually has a loaded HK MP7 in the back, in the bag in broad daylight, in plain view. And, uh, you know, that was a SWAT team police officer that was reckless and careless with a machine gun. And I'm sure it ended his career or or maybe not. That's the crazy thing is a lot of these First Amendment auditing channels show the some of the negative sides of law enforcement interactions and how the people who interacted negatively end up keeping their job and, you know, get put on some sort of administrative leave for a certain amount of time. And then they're back and doing more of what they did to get themselves in trouble in the first place. So anyway, Davey says, not if you cook the chicken after, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I, you know, let's put it this way. If the two cock roosters were uh, raised to fight and that's what makes them happy. And it was a fight to the death and then you ate them afterwards. It's probably more humane than what goes on in some kill houses. So, <laughs> and I'm not like one of those PETA people that are like, don't ever eat a piece of chicken from, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, speaking of silly videos, anyone ever see the video of the, like, I don't know what group it is. It's there's PETA people and then there's earth liberation front and animal liberation front and whatever, but they all snuck into this slaughterhouse and they chained them set their necks to the conveyor system that was bringing all the all the duck all the chickens down the to the uh to the uh slaughterhouse and they couldn't trip the the thing and it's like and it's dragging this guy and he's getting choked and they're like stop 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 you know <laughs> it's like give me a break um yeah brunel's piston driven ar looks like a great rifle how much are they going for the um I think you mean the BRN 180s. They're anywhere from 17 to two grand. Uh, They are good guns. Um, And we have one out on the shelf right now. I keep running out. I keep building them and selling them, building them, selling. I have a few more I'm going to build pretty soon. So we'll get that going pretty soon. Um, But yeah, and along those lines, Duncan says he used to rescue greyhounds. Those dogs were born to race and racing is perfect for him. The people screw up the racing with the profit. I don't mind, you know, making a a financial interest in it because otherwise, what's the point, right? If you just raise dogs to race and you can't like sustain that. I mean, you got to raise the dog, you got to feed the dog, you got to have a track maintained, you got to have the equipment and all that. So the financial incentive is fine. Uh, You know, I'm not a big gambling guy. I don't believe it's a good idea to just gamble your life away and and ruin your life by gambling. I know a lot of people who've uh, seen, I've seen their lives negatively affected by addictions to gambling. But if people go on a Sunday once a month or whatever, and want to watch the dogs run around the track and bet on their dog, I mean, look at the Belmont, look at the, uh, you know, Kentucky Derby, the, all these racing, horse racing things, there's how do you do that without millions of dollars involved? It's it's impossible, right? But anyway, um, it's one of those things. And I don't know how the heck I'm keep getting down these rabbit holes. This is a gun show. No, I'm just kidding. We talk about whatever you guys wanna talk about. They should track them similar to how they track sexual offenders. They don't track non-sex offenders. Right, that's a good example. Like, because there's sex offenders out there, we're not gonna make everybody register and report to the police department once a year and get and report every time they move, right? That's what they do to gun owners because there's psychos out there and there's criminals that do bad things with guns. Now they want us to be affected, to register, to get licensed, get fingerprinted photographs, you know, pay fees, do all kinds of crazy stuff, jump through hoops. In this state, Massachusetts, if you fail to report you moving to the chief of police and to the state, you will have your rights stripped from you. Unbelievable. Uh, Maury Healy loves criminals. They're means to an end for her overlords. Yes. And amen to that, Cockroach. Hit the like button, subscribe, comment, share. Spread the word far and wide. With friends. with neighbors, enemies, family, associates, acquaintances, co-workers, and anyone else you come in contact with. Mm -hmm. My hiring yet. Uh, I am not hiring right now. Um, An armed funeral escort for 10 years was recently terminated for using excessive force. The lady was cutting into the funeral procession and I did what I had to do. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a I mean, I don't know anything about that line of work, Patrick, Um, but unfortunately, we're not hiring at the moment, but always drop an application. There's a link on our website. Um, You can drop an application on our website and we'll be glad to keep it on file and give you a call when we are. We're going to see how the next few months proceeds. Um, I would say if we're Moving along the way we're moving, we're good as far as staffing is concerned. Um, if it gets crazy busy in any direction, then yeah, we're we're going to be hiring. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, the problem with greyhound racing is that dogs, they're stuck in cages all day and they socialized when they stop being competitive. They're only good for folks like Duncan. I know a lot of people who were involved in greyhound racing and then rescue them after they're done racing and go on to give them a a very good life, you know, for years later. And so there's a big, I think, kind of organization out there that takes greyhound dogs after they're done. And I understand what you're saying, but frankly, uh, penning them up in cages all day is not cool, but a lot of dog breeds end up like that. Ones in pet stores, there's breeders, there's uh, people who hunt their dogs that, you know, they don't want them to become a household pet. So they sit in cages, you know, 90% of the day. It's terrible, but that is the case in a lot of situations. And I hate to say it, but that's the way it is. I thought those BRNs were built by Brunells, just the upper. I remember seeing piston driven AR Brownells came out not too long ago. Yeah, they just came out with the 416 uppers, which are basically the uh, HK 416. That is also a piston driven gun. Um, I have a couple direct impingement ARs, but it's hard to find them now. Uh, Yeah, so the BRNs are basically more like the Browning, I mean, the uh, AR 180, than they are the AR 15. So, I mean, they're a pretty hybridization of a hybrid of the two rifles kind of being mashed together because the original BR uh, AR 180 had a stamped receiver and the newer ones are all milled, uh, forged or billet. But let's see. I recently became an NRA RSO. How do I approach reaching out to a range to gain more experience as an RSO? Uh, Most gun clubs are looking for RSOs on a volunteer basis. Um, So I think you'll have to go through their recipe of RSO. But once you do and you learn their local rules, um, they're always looking for people to monitor the range and man the range, if you will. Uh, They all bit someone, huh, Steve? That stinks. Yeah. You know, there is a certain truth to, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I don't think that's a hundred percent true. And, you know, some dogs just never quite get it, unfortunately, but maybe that's because they haven't had the time, effort, and energy put into them to get it. But I think most dogs could be, you know, some are going to take a higher level of professional help than others, but Greyhounds are also the universal dog blood giver. They're used to that. Interesting. Um, they're kind of a weird looking dog, aren't they? Like, uh, especially you ever see the mini greyhounds? They're like this big and they're like a walking pile of sticks. They almost look like a uh, an Edward Gorey, like horror <laughs> looking thing. You know, these, it's like, how do they run so fast? There's not a shred of meat on those bones. They're like running bones. It's amazing. Uh, Is there a modern AR platform I can buy here that isn't a fixed mag? Um, No, unfortunately not in Massachusetts, unless you get a pre-ban pre 94. So we have one in the case right now, a Colt. So you can get that and use the lower as your foundation to build everything off. So there you have it. Uh, Unless you want one of those bunk fixed mag ARs that you have to disassemble disassemble to reload the 10 round mag. It stinks being treated like a second class citizen in a free country, doesn't it? Yes, but I will take you to task. You don't have to disassemble the gun to reload it. Leave it all together, shoot, hits bolt catch, insert the mean arms MA loader and top load it. Pull it out, bolt goes forward, ready to shoot. Check out my video on YouTube about it. I would argue that is as quick as a mag change. And we also sell the bear flag defense ones, which I like even better because you can grip the outside of the loader, put it in and just push straight down. You don't need to get your thumb in a little circle and push down, grab it, top loads, it pulls it out. And so if you want a true AR, that's a good way to go, but I would still get the BRN 180 or the, Sig Spear LT or some other alternative if you want primary home defense gun. But if you want a true AR because you're going to make a long range gun or a varmint gun or a AR pistol, you got to have the fixed mag. Um, let's see. I got along with all of them. Uh, one ripped the other dog owner's a eh, Big lawsuit. That stinks. Thought it was a rabbit. Yeah. Well, it's doing its thing. As you said, many foolish reasons for losing LTC, like uh the change of address thing, hold it over our head, have to be extra careful. Yep. And uh I have a mini hot dog, she has such a weird shaped body, but she's probably my favorite dog. She shows me a ton of love and attention. Yeah, my buddy has a couple uh dachshunds, and one of them just barks every time he sees you for half an hour, and then he's your best friend. Like every time he sees you, he just got to bark for a half an hour. And then he's like, pick me up, put me on your lap, pet me. And it's like, okay. And so you pet the dog, put him down, go out to the car, come back. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, the Bren 2 is a great gun, Davey. I like it a lot. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> G-Webs, you're saying your dog is uh, is motivated by food? He's got a pug if he was next to the greyhound 100 years 100 yards away and opened a bag of food this little guy will get here before any greyhound that's pretty funny um yeah the guy who I was just talking about who's got the two dachshunds also has a pug and he looks like an alien life form with like these two stick legs you know the four stick legs the legs are like a little tall so the picture a pug on stilts i don't know what they're called they're a type of pug but and the thing has a vertical leap like uh, you know, LeBron James. It's pretty funny. Um, yes, but how are you going to carry those 10 round clips? I would rather just find one on sale for private market. Yeah. how you? It's just like carrying a magazine. So think about it. If you got a mag in the gun and it's loaded, you're shooting, you drop your mag, you grab your other mag and insert it in the gun, hit the bolt catch, shooting again. This same thing. You just work in the right hand instead of the left hand. You pull it out, put it in, top load, pull it out, bolt catch goes forward, bang, 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 bang. So you have your chest rig full of bare arms, bare flag defense loaders, really? I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that you're subject to 10 rounds in the state anyway, that's why I say don't buy one as your primary defense gun. Buy one to get a good quality, high quality AR, modern AR at free state prices that's really the whole point of it because if you get a pre-band you're gonna pay three times as much as what it's worth and you're gonna use it you're gonna have a lot of fun with it uh, but you're subject to you know higher price if you only want to pay 12 to 1400 bucks for an excellent quality AR that's where the fixed mag AR comes in handy. Um, I use the fixed mag juggernaut tactical system that separates the upper from the lower. That's a, that's a California thing. And I would say that's one of the advantages California has over Massachusetts. So you can pull this thing. It separates the upper and lower. Now it's technically disassembled. Now you can drop your mag out of the gun and insert another mag and click it back together when you're done. We don't have that luxury here in Massachusetts. So uh, the mag can't come out of the lower period, assembled, disassembled, whatever. So anyway, any recommendations for a sniper rifle? That's for a new shooter. Um, I would. I have the uh, regular old Remington Seven Hundred uh, SPS. Tacticals. They're cheap. They're seven eight hundred bucks. They come with a hogue over mold stock. They're tack drivers right out of the box, and they're a good foundation to build off. Um, that would be what I would consider, you know, a good, quote unquote, sniper rifle to start with. The the REM 700 actions are, there's a million different things out there that you can do to them. You can put the AICS, the Accuracy International uh, magazines on them. You can put bottom metal in them. There's tons of aftermarket stocks. Um, There's tons of, you know, different things you can do to them, triggers you can put in them. So that's a good one. Uh, If you want to bump up in price a little, the Tika T3X is a great gun. The T3X Tactical, phenomenal gun. Bagaras are are good. The Savage 110s aren't bad uh, with the HS Precision stocks. Um, But I do like the Rem 700. I have one right. Uh, there that's my rem 700 and 308 and i put a magpul bottom metal uh stock on it actually i take that back that's an hs precision stock but i did put the magpul bottom metal in it for the aics pattern mags and um i like a detachable mag even on bolt guns um but that thing's a tack driver and um they're they're cheap and cheerful frankly um So I also have the higher end stuff right in shop. Uh, We have an Accuracy International in 260 Remington, which is awesome. Comes with 300, I'm sorry, 30 rounds, 30 boxes of ammo. Comes with a scope, comes with a scope mount. It's wicked nice, wicked cool. That would be an absolute tack driver. Um, I also have two... Surgeon scalpels in stock. One in 300 Win Mag. One in two. This is a this is one for the gun geeks out there. The 6.5 284 Norma. Have you ever heard of the 6.5 284 Norma? Why don't you guys Google that and check out what its claim to fame is? I I think uh you'd be surprised. It's a pretty cool gun um 65284 norma uh let's see never seen one of those top loaders in action i've pre-band mags with rebuild kits with them because i bought them back in 2010 when they were cheap and readily available i miss those days yeah can i clarify the semi-auto shotgun rules semi-auto you're limited to 5 rounds and one evil feature it's a single feature thing so semi-auto uh pistol grip and five rounds or less. Um, you can't have five plus two in a tube fed no matter what the configuration of the gun is. So, if it has a pistol grip, it can't have any other evil feature like a detachable mag, et cetera, et cetera. So, it is a single feature test and it is a limited to five rounds plus one in a semi-auto shotgun. So, that's it. Pump not limited to capacity. Um, Can you have any evil features on a rifle that shoots 22? I would say no under the definition. However, the attorney general's assault weapons ban enforcement notice has this weird language. Uh, Let me just read it to you. So if you go to the frequently asked questions about the mass assault weapons ban, it says, are any 17 or 22 caliber rimfire rifles affected by the enforcement notice? No. So if no 22 caliber rifles are affected by the enforcement notice, then it seems like you can have whatever feature you want on the gun. However, that's not what the state law says. State law doesn't discriminate against caliber. Um, So just something to keep in mind. But I think, uh, I don't think you could be charged with an infraction under the enforcement notice uh, under the assault weapons ban based on that enforcement notice. Want to see something else that's pretty funny? I'm going to. Go ahead and share my screen again so you guys can see this because this is, uh, pretty funny. If you go to the mass, uh, frequently asked questions page on enforcement notice, um, let me make this full size so that you can see it. Um, and my wife's wondering why I'm not home yet. I'm going long tonight, honey. I'm sorry. I'll wrap it up. Massachusetts law prohibits the possession and assault uh, of assault weapons under GL 140 section 128 and 131 M sale by a business of any weapon that the buyer is not permitted to possess also violates the Consumer Protection Act of 93 A, which is means triple damages and, you know, fraud and the inducement and all that stuff. However, um, they have stretched this whole meaning to include guns that were never considered an assault weapon based on these legal definitions under GL 140 section 128 and 131 M. But skip down. This is the best part. You want to talk about circular reasoning. Look at this. Does, uh, all right, here we go. Um, Where is it? Oh, yeah. Here we go. My gun dealer is telling me that a gun is labeled by the manufacturer as Massachusetts compliant. Does that mean the weapon is not banned? No. The fact that the weapon has been labeled state compliant or Massachusetts compliant by the manufacturer does not make the gun legal to purchase and own in Massachusetts. Whether a weapon is banned depends on whether it meets the definition of assault weapon in state law. A weapon is a prohibited copy or duplicate if it meets one of the tests contained in the enforcement notice. So you guys got that loud and clear. The fact that the weapon has been labeled state compliant or Massachusetts compliant by the manufacturer does not make it legal to purchase or own in Massachusetts. All right. So how am I supposed to know whether a gun is a copy or duplicate and that it's prohibited under state law? Well, gun dealers and manufacturers must use their knowledge and experience to assess which guns are substantially similar to a banned weapon and likely meet one of the tests. The attorney general expects voluntary compliance from gun dealers and manufacturers with respect to prohibited weapons. What? So the manufacturer says it's compliant and it meets the legal definition and can be sold in Massachusetts. So that means I can buy it, right? No. Well, how am I supposed to know what gun I should buy? Well, the gun dealers and manufacturers will tell you. Holy cow. Folks, this is what we deal with every day. Insanity. Insanity. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, Ronald Reagan said, one of the scariest words you could ever hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Uh, do I have any evil features on a rifle that shoots 22? I can neither confirm nor deny that Dave. (laughs) Um, yeah. All right, guys. This has been an extremely interesting conversation. And of course, the chat is on fire. So I should have got to it earlier. But we're way over time. And uh, my wife is wondering what happened to me. And I actually have a very important job tonight before I go play hockey. And that is I have to decorate the tree. We've had the tree up for like over a week now with not a single ornament on it. My wife has a tradition of making sure we're all together. So I have to, I have to be there. Um, so yeah, and G webs, you cannot, uh, you cannot hunt deer with a rifle in Massachusetts. So I'm just skimming some of the questions here. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the bottom metal means it it accepts a detachable mag. Um, that's kind of the word for it in the, in the precision rifle industry. Uh, let's see, um, Magpul has rebuild kits, that's good. Glad we don't have restrictions on bolt guns. I love my Ruger precision. Shh, don't give them any ideas. Um, and uh, you can hunt coyotes in mass with rifle, but they don't let you hunt deer with a rifle. You can also hunt bear with a rifle. Uh, yes, we need to vote them out of office and uh merry christmas to everybody and to all a good night god bless us everyone as tiny tim would say and uh i hope you all have a wonderful wonderful christmas in all seriousness uh it's one of my favorite times of year it takes me a little while to get in the the mood but it is pretty awesome when you think about the, the um this Christmas season and what it's all about. So plus it brings a lot of people together. It's it's pretty cool. All right. God bless you guys. I love you all. And uh, we'll see you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. So God bless. Take care.